0: Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to this episode of King Outdoors Podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day. And here on the podcast, we have a very special guest for you, but we'll get to that in a second. First, I want to go over what this podcast is about, right? So this podcast, we obviously interview different hunters, right? We want to get their perspectives on different things. We want to learn what they do in the woods different from us. So that when we go out in the woods, we can take their information and take it into consideration. So I hope you guys stay tuned. We have Jake Velke here. Go check him out on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And let me tell you, his TikToks are very fun. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys. I just want to say thanks again for tuning in to this episode. And we have Jake Velke here. So I just want to have him go ahead and introduce himself here and where he's from.
1: Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah. My name's Jake. I'm 24 years old from a, uh, small town in, in Iowa. And, uh, I love to hunt and fish and I've more recently found a, found a passion for, uh, videotaping those experiences that I have with, you know, friends and family and, and, uh, posting them for others to see.
0: That's awesome. I've been, I've been, I watched a couple of your YouTube videos, which is pretty cool. Uh, but another thing I want to ask you is how, how were you introduced to hunting and how old were you when you first got introduced
1: oh man well i was i was first introduced probably it would have been first or second grade i got my first bb gun uh my dad is a is an avid outdoorsman he hunts and fishes and has doing been doing that his whole life so he was kind of the the start that um you know sparked that flame for me and uh showed me the ropes so yeah he got me my first bb gun and just shooting that in the backyard uh it was it was such a blast and there and uh was able to go out on some hunts with him at an early age and and not bring a gun and just kind of see what it's all about and experience experience it with him either from the blind or uh walking behind him and so yeah that that's pretty much what got it got it going for me and uh where it started
0: Okay, oh, it's pretty cool. So have you been hunting in Iowa since you first started?
1: Yeah, uh I, I've basically been hunting in Iowa until I moved to uh Missouri for college. So I went to college down there and was able to get in state licenses with uh, with my school permit or my school ID. Me and a bunch of buddies down the wild on on deer hunt and, and different things down there, turkey hunt. So that kind of sparked it for letting me realize that you can, you know, travel to other States and, and hunt. Um, and so then, you know, during my summers of college, I, I got a job out in Utah and, uh, you know, really enjoyed it out here and noticed the, the big game hunting and that. So I started buying tags out in Utah and, uh, just kind of slowly in there.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So, when you go out hunting and stuff in other states, do you usually just hunt for whitetail or do you go for anything else?
1: What was that again? You, you were you were choppy there.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, when you go in other states, you know, do you mainly just hunt for whitetail or do you hunt for other species? Like yeah, uh, or so just-
1: it just kind of depends. Elk. Yeah, it just kind of depends what state. Um, out here in Utah, I've mule deer hunted and, and elk hunted and then also turkey hunted. Um, like I said, in Missouri, you know, pretty much everything I did uh, in school with, with my buddies there and anything from waterfowl to, to pheasants to dove hunting and, and deer and turkey as well. So, yeah, and then uh, in Iowa, pretty much all of them as well. So
0: That's awesome. Say, uh, since you're from Iowa, I take it, you, you hunt in a lot of fields, huh?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much, uh, you know, strips of timber that line fields, unless if you can get on a river bottom, maybe you'll have like a bigger section of timber, but yeah, most of the, most of the timber that's, you know, flat is going to be turned into farm fields. So you might have a, a nice ravine with a crick running through it. That's still a, a decent patch of timber. Uh, but yeah most of our hunting we rely uh, on the strips of timber that line corn f- corner bean fields
0: oh okay so like here in wisconsin i mean well to me i don't really see a lot of the deer until like last light is it different over there in iowa or is it about the same thing you don't seem to like last light
1: yeah it's it's probably about the same i would imagine it it kind of just depends on you know, the bucks and the time of year and, and the temperature, and then also how close you can get to their bedding areas. Uh, sometimes we're able to get closer than others and, and we seem to, you know, see them earlier in light when that happens. Um, just cause they don't have to travel as far. And if you're a good distance away, sometimes they can be traveling pretty slow, but in Iowa, at least you get to bow hunt the rut. And so that's what, you know, that's the time that most of the time that we spend in the tree, you know, I'll, I'll do an all day sit, maybe my brother or, or my dad. And so during the rut, you're having action all day. And um, yeah, so I would say, yeah, majority, though, when you're not during the rut, you're going to it's going to be those last couple couple hours of sunlight or, or right there in the morning.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of like the run stuff, do you use a uh, sound control like during that specific time of the year? versus other times of the year uh uh, not really
1: yeah i mean my brother it does once in a while and i know my dad like they'll spray down and um my brother bought some some shampoo this year to try out but you know i i like to play the wind and i also if i'm doing an all-day sit i bring food and it can get to be a lot if you're trying to send control on top of that and then bringing my camera gear and And everything, so the scent control kind of falls to the wayside for me, and I I try to just play the wind in my favor. Um, I've just I've just seen it too many times to where you can, you can do all that work, and you know, it just takes one thing for them to catch a whiff of, um, and and blow. So, yeah, a lot of people do swear by the scent control, and it's just something that I don't put that much effort into.
0: Yeah. So, me myself, I don't think it fully ever gets rid of, you know, your scent. Like, I don't think there's anything you could possibly do to get rid of your scent completely, <laughs> but yeah. I do use a scent control, but like I just spray myself down and, you know, will call it good and I still take the wind in my favor and stuff. And basically, I guess I would say, I guess I don't, I don't really know what else going with that but <laughs> 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 anyway yeah and like ozonics stuff like that i don't use ozonics myself i know people do and people even put stuff in buckets i know uh first podcast i came out with uh with coda he puts uh, i forgot what's called he puts it in a bucket and like washes his clothes in there but uh speaking of The rut as well. Do you use any calls? Like, do you rattle or at all?
1: Yeah, we, uh, I rattle once in a while. My my brother, he's actually killed almost all of his bucks, um, grunting them in. So he's had some really good luck with his grunt call. Uh, I, I need to probably grunt more. I get nervous about, you know, spooking them or, or, uh, you know, pushing him away, but man, he's had some really good luck with that. We, uh, we actually got on film this year. One of his that came in, um, you know, it was probably 80 yards away and he grunted at it a couple times and it just came in on a line and it was pretty cool to see, see it play out for him that way. I know last year, archery season, he also grunted one in Um, and then late season here, he actually grunted that same buck, back across the field and and actually shot it so yeah we uh we use we use grunt calls probably more than anything and then uh once in a while during the heat of the rut we'll we'll rattle and stuff like that
0: Mm -hmm. uh yeah so i'm kind of the same way i use uh a grunt calls and you know maybe i'll rattle once or twice during the rut and i usually don't call at all during early season and I mean, late season, I don't really either. But like the peak of the rut is like to me the only time I really use them. So, but do you, do you guys, uh, do you guys like do you, like say if you're sitting together, do you guys like rattle and grunt at the same time or no?
1: We haven't really tried that. Um, yeah, I. I guess if I'm sitting with one of them, I, I focus on filming and uh, trying to just capture the experience and, and everything play out. Uh, but that's a that's a pretty good idea, you know. I haven't we haven't tr- really tried that.
0: Interesting, yeah. And another thing, like I personally would wouldn't want to try it, but the guy in my last podcast was talking about how he rattles during early season. Because they tend to spar off or something like that, have you ever heard of that?
1: yeah, yep
0: have you ever been su- su- successful with that?
1: uh no, not really you know i uh I've seen them fighting in the in the fields, and whenever I seem to rattle on the edge of fields uh since we don't really sit in the middle of a field in a blind or anything, we've been you know sitting tree stands and stuff it doesn't really draw them to us close enough. You know, it'll draw them out into the middle of the field and kind of peek around and, and they'll be like, well, you know what, who's out here, who wants to fight. Uh, but it, it doesn't seem to bring them within bow range. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, I haven't had good success with that. Um, but I'm also, you, you know, mostly hunting edges of cornfields and stuff like that so they can see for a long ways. And when they come out there here and rattling and they don't see two bucks sparring, um, you know, they kind of get weary of what's going on.
0: Yeah, I see. So do you, Would you say you have would have to move a lot less while you're sitting in the field rather than in the woods?
1: Uh, you mean like move as in move locations or, or try not to move when you're in the stand?
0: Like when you're in the stand. I mean, I know deer don't exactly have the greatest eyesight, <laughs> but...
1: Yeah, no, I mean... I, would imagine it's, it's about the same, you know, we still hunt big patches of public timber and um, you know, I probably spent close to half of my time on public land this year. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's about the same, I would imagine. Um, so even it might be even harder in these cornfields because the, the strips of timber are so thin that you get silhouetted pretty easily. So they can see you on that back skylight um, especially if the, if the sun's at your back uh, they can really see any movement because you're a big shadow in the tree. Uh, whereas in a, in a big patch of timber, sometimes you can blend in with those trees behind you. But when you're just on a, a thin fence row, uh, yeah, you can get silhouetted pretty
0: easily. Uh, I see, I see. you. So say when you do hunt uh, in fields versus the woods, you know, like river bombs, like you were saying, do you use the same type of stand?
1: Yeah. You know, we, we mix it up quite a bit. Um, this, this was the first year I tried out a saddle, uh, well, a version of a saddle. I actually used a a rock climbing harness and, uh, a tether and just tethered myself to the tree. Uh, my brother actually has a, uh, uh, actual saddle, a bow hunting saddle. And so, yeah, we, we've tried those out this year. I also still use the climber an old school climber. And then, uh, I still have a, a hanging stand that I hang with sticks. And so, you know, I, I bounce around between the three. It just kind of depends. We, uh, we actually left a climber um, at like a base of a tree that we would use, you know? And and so you can just go to that spot and climb right up it. If you know you want to hunt that area uh, and some of our other hanging uh, stands, we also would just leave up. But yeah, most of the time, if we're doing public, we're going to go in with our saddle and, and hang it up quick and hang the sticks up and then get up in our saddle or, um, if we're hunting a specific buck, like my brother was this year, sometimes we'll pull the setup every time, just because we know we're going to go in and with a different approach, uh, or move it around. So, you know, it, it really just depends on the scenario. Uh, I've, I've grown fond of the, the saddle hunting. I really like that. I, it was a light approach, especially for me taking camera gear. Like if I'm hunting by myself, it means I got to carry all my hunting equipment equipment to get into the tree and then also all my like camera gear. And so just having that saddle, it, it, it was so easy. And, um, I, I, most of the time I wouldn't even bring a platform. So I'm just standing on my last stick and, you know, I'd be able to pull, you know, six, eight hour sits with just standing on the top of my stick and it, it wasn't bad at all. And so, you know, that, that was really nice, uh, to drop that
0: weight this year. Really? So that's, you're not uncomfortable at all, like in the saddle versus like a normal climbing stand or hang on stand.
1: No, not really, man. Cause most of the time in the stand, I, I, I'm a stander. Like I don't really like to sit. I just, I've gotten trapped a couple of years ago where I was sitting down, you know, bow on the hanger and big buck walks through, can't get him to stop. And I, I can't get drawn back in time. And especially with the camera, like if I'm solo filming, uh, there's just a lot has to happen before you're taking that shot. And so I like to be ready at all times. And yeah, it's, it's not bad. You're able to balance your weight out between the saddle and your feet. And so you can kind of give one another breaks or you can uh, lean forward and put your knees on the tree. And so, you know, it takes some adjusting to get and get used to it, but yeah, man, it, once you get that and it gets comfortable and you get, your height's set to where you want. And, you know, you just get used to hanging it up and you know how high you want it and how far you want your tether away. And yeah, it can be really comfortable and give you a lot of shooting angles and, and makes it a lot easier to self film because if you're, you know, your camera arm is coming away from the tree, it just gives you a better angle to be, you know, to move that camera and uh,
0: be in place to still get a shot. Yeah, That's awesome. I, I'm going to have to try one of those. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And like my, my climbing harness, it was, I think it was $39. So, you know, for $39 and then just any old tether, you can tether yourself to a tree. You know, it's, it's definitely worth it to have another option in your bag, uh, to be able to climb up a tree and, and, and hang in there. So, and I also like it because then, you know, if I find a spot, it's easy to unclip and just get down and, and moved on and sit on the ground or, you know, so sometimes in, in public land, if I, you know, see a couple of deer following a different trail um, and I still got an hour or so of light, I'll, I'll bounce down out of the tree and just set up on the ground. So, yeah, it's, it's nice to give you give you some options. And, um, yeah, it really helps hiking in to get back into some of those public places as well.
0: Dang, I'll have to I'll definitely have to try one of those. So does it bother you at all that you're facing the tree at all?
1: No, not really. You know, uh, like I said, it, it probably would take some time getting used to. And I don't even second guess that anymore. But, yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's you set up in a way or at least I set up in a way to where I know I'm, I'm left handed. So I want to be shooting like towards my right shoulder. And so I set up with that side in mind. Like that's my ideal shot. So, you know, I'm I'm setting up to where. I'm kind of looking to the right of the tree and that's my shooting angle. Um, so yeah, it, I usually hang my stuff on the left side of the tree camera on the left side. And, and that's kind of how I play it, but I still know that I can get to a lot of those other shots. Um, you know, if you watch the guys from tethered or the hunting public and, you know, there's quite a few people going to them now and, and you'll see some pretty cool videos of, of how people can get, you know, a wide, wide angle of a shot off. Uh, rather than if your back's to the tree in a stand, you know, it's kind of tough to to get a shot back behind the tree like that where you can't really swing around it. Um, so, yeah, I, I've grown fond of it. Definitely takes some practice getting used to. Uh, my brother, you know, took his first shot this year out of one, and I don't think he had practiced out of it at all. And, you know, I don't know if this was the reason or not, but we watched a – a really nice buck walk, you know, like I said earlier, 80 yards plus right to us. And it stopped at, you know, six or seven yards. So, I mean, he could have been shaking. That's a long ways to watch a really nice buck walk right at you. But it was also, I think, his first shot out of a saddle. And it can be different with that that strap connecting to you. And it's kind of like in your line of sight a little bit with where you're drawing back. And it's just, you know, you're, you're tied in at the waist. So it does give you more stability, but it also takes time to get used to. And, uh, he ended up shooting high, right on the deer and, and hit it right in the shoulder blade and got about an inch or half inch of penetration. Um, so yeah, it, it takes some time to get used to and and definitely practice it out. Try it out, you know?
0: Yeah, I'll have to do that. Uh, so you are talking about that deer you saw. Uh, come into like six or seven yards, but what's the farthest you would shoot on a white (laughs) tail?
1: Well, I would like to say, you know, 30 yards. Like that's what I set up for. That's, you know, my ideal boundary is 30 yards, especially on an alert deer. Uh, But I have, you know, I I have a video on my YouTube channel shooting one at uh, 53 or 54 or 55, somewhere around there uh, a doe shooting her at that, uh, range. So, you know, it, at times you just make exceptions and, and I felt really confident in that situation. And she was giving me a perfect shot and I was able to get in set, uh, at my anchor positions. And, you know, I feel comfortable probably to 60 is what I plan to for elk. Um, and so, yeah, I, I feel comfortable to 60, but I never plan for that. You know, I, I plan for 30, especially when I'm sitting in a tree. Uh, that's kind of my zones that I range and maybe the furthest that I would put a trail to me, um, with hopes, like ideal shot is that 20 yards, you know, it gives your arrow time to straighten out. It, it puts the deer a little ways away from you, you know, like my brother shot this year at put a deer at seven yards and you climb, you know, 20, 25 feet up in a tree, that's a pretty steep angle to be able to, to pass through the vitals, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a a deer at 15, 20 yards, it, it just lessens that angle. It's not as steep and it gives you a better shot through the vitals. Um, and like I said, it gives that arrow time to flatten out and, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I'd say my window, I try and put it at 30 yards and, and hope it's closer than that.
0: Yeah. See, yeah, I'm kind of the same way, 30. And, you know, if I really, really feel confident, then I would maybe take a 40-yard shot. But, you know, otherwise, I don't really want to take those shots just because I need more practice, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, and, like, like you said earlier about when you're sitting in stand, like you prefer standing which is also a good thing, you know, when they're on alert, you can really get them on alert when you stand up and they hear a noise and they don't know where it came from. Mm -hmm. Like for example, when I shot my first buck, he, uh, I was, I don't know, 13 or something like that. But, uh, I was asleep in the stand (laughs) sitting down. And when I first saw him, he was, you know, 50 yards or something like that. So, uh, I kind of stood up and let him come into 20 yards, I think it was. And surprisingly, he was, you know, sniffing the ground. And that didn't affect him at all, which is kind of weird. But also, my buck I shot this year, how you were talking about those angles, uh, this buck I saw come from the west of me. And I saw him like chasing some dough, right? And I was like, oh, shoot. Because I saw the does go completely the opposite direction. I was like, oh, shoot, he's going to follow him. So I pulled back on him, and I only had a small window to shoot a 30-yard shot. But all of a sudden, he turned around and came running straight towards me, which is very surprising. He totally left the doe. And he was, like, right underneath my stand, you know. And that was a tricky shot because I was pulled back already, and I have one of those adjustable pins. So, I shot underneath him, and I still hit high on him, but it was still, like, a perfect shot because it shot a little bit under his spine, and it came out, like, almost at the bottom of his belly. Well, not his belly, but his chest, which was pretty interesting. That thing ran pretty far <laughs> with no lungs. You got – but uh,
1: Oh, there you're back. You got pretty choppy through there, so I missed some of that. But oh, you did. Yeah. But man, that sounds crazy.
0: Yeah, it, it, it was crazy. This year was in general, a crazy year just for the whole world in general. But uh, anyways, what do you do in the off season? Do you do any physical activity to prepare yourself?
1: Uh, you got choppy there again. I think you asked if I got do any physical activity to prepare.
0: Yeah. in the off season,
1: you know, not, not really. I, uh, I, I like to, to to do stuff throughout the whole year. I don't, you know, it's not like I specifically do it to prepare, um, to hunt, you know, especially in in Iowa where you're, you know, you could be walking a half mile in and it's pretty flat ground. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I like to, to stay active and, and I do work out, but I think it, you know, I don't base it off of, like, a, oh, this is going to, I don't solely do it, I guess, to for the hunting benefit, you know, uh, a vast majority in my mindset is is for overall health and, um, you know, to to live a long life. And so, uh, but yeah, an, an extra benefit of that is it does help when you're, you know, you're hiking on a mountain, chasing elk or or trying to get to a good spot to glass up some mule deer. And so, <clears throat> yeah, I, I do look at it like that. And uh, yeah, I I like to do it. Uh, you know, th- throughout the whole year, and it helps me stay sane and uh, <laughs> feel like I'm I'm doing something. So that at the end of the day, I, there's a you know a reason to go to bed, and you feel tired and, and feel like you've you've had a good day.
0: Yeah, right. So, do you pull your bow back like during the summer at all, or do you just take it out a couple months before the season and send a couple players Or I
1: try to shoot it, you know, throughout the whole year. Uh, probably the least I shoot it, which is the worst thing is, it's probably during the season. You know, I spent, you know, spent so much time in the tree or getting home and editing footage or, or, you know, clearing memory cards, charging batteries. And it's just a draining day when you're, when you're waking up super early and most of the hunts that I went on this year in Iowa, at least it's an hour drive to my stand or to the spot. And then I got to hike into my stand. So you're looking at being there an hour and a half before you even you know even first light so it's a draining day uh and so yeah the, the least i probably shot my bow is during season and, and that's you know kind of the opposite of probably how it should be and it's just sometimes how it falls uh during during elk season my buddy and i when we were up on the mountain uh you know we brought a target with us so whenever we'd make it back to camp we we're able to take some shots and, and just fine-tune our bows and, and it was a, it really helped because you know, I bumped my bow one time and, and I was off by like six inches and I just couldn't believe it, you know, and but i had taken a decent fall down the side of a mountain and, uh, you know, bumped my sight pretty good. So it was just, you know, reassuring to be able to go back to camp and, and fling some arrows and know that, you know, I was actually off, and, but I got it just tuned back in and, and gained that confidence.
0: Right, right. I feel like most of the hunters, you know, during season, they don't. <laughs> taking consideration that they should shoot more like they should still shoot during season yeah exactly and uh yeah I think it's also
1: like but, cause it's the most time you're walking with your bow or like your your bow's getting moved around you know like during the off season you you're just taking your bow out you're shooting it at the range or in your backyard and then you're putting it back in your case but like during the years when you're walking through brush and, and thorns and climbing trees and dropping your bow down out of a stand and, and different things like that where stuff gets bumped. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely the time where, where shots need to be taken.
0: Yeah, exactly, dude. And even, he, like, here in Wisconsin, you know, there's there's some thick places, you know, and, and it's like your bow can get knocked up quite a bit, more than you expect, you know. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and me personally, I – have a struggle of shooting a lot in the winter just because you know like here in Wisconsin we get a bunch of snow and it's cold so you know it gets cold in Iowa too so does that affect you at all the winter because I know me personally I shoot maybe 10 errors a day now because of it's the coldness I guess
1: yeah I like honestly that's that's pretty good still you know that's I would say that's definitely above average for, for people and hunters that I've been around. If you're, if you're shooting 10 arrows a day, you're doing pretty good. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say it, it does play into effect, you know, when it's nicer out it, and especially like a, a nice fall evening, you can sit there and it's, it's pretty nice to, to fling a bunch of arrows. Um, but yeah, I, I like to shoot during the winter as well because I like to shoot with all my gear on. Um, and all bundled up because when you're sitting in a stand, you have a lot more clothes on than, than when you do in the, in the summer, fall. Uh, So yeah, I try to, you know, shoot my arrows with all my hunting gear on or especially my backpack. So that's a big thing for me when I'm uh, out West elk hunting or mule deer hunting is that I'm, I'm shooting with my pack on um, just because it's different. It, It pulls your body back a little bit. Uh, their straps come across your chest. So, you know, making sure that those stay out of the way of, uh, of your string. And it just, it gains that confidence, you know, to know that, Oh shoot, you know, I don't have time to take my pack off. Uh, It just, it's happening now. And uh, to know that you have that confidence that you've taken some shots with that setup on and and that you still feel comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. And you shoot from stands, too, I take it, like when you practice. You know, me personally, once in a while, you know, I'll just grab a target and run out to one of the stands we have and just send a couple of arrows. you do that at do, all?
1: Do I shoot from a stand? Yeah. yeah I, I, like practice? Yeah, I like to shoot from elevated surfaces, uh, but I would say a majority of my arrows are not, just due to the convenience of – of shooting in the backyard or, or wherever uh, I have available.
0: Right, right. Yeah, so, same here. So basically, I shoot a lot, like a lot more, obviously, on flat ground. But well, we have a little hill in the backyard here. So I usually just go on the top of the hill and shoot. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Other than that, you know, I go out maybe, I don't know, three or four times during the summer, and that's about it. Yeah but uh yeah and so speaking of shooting what kind of what kind of bow are you shooting?
1: Uh, right now i'm shooting a a mission by matthews so it's uh one of their it's kind of like an entry-level bow i it was my first bow i've gotten and i've loved it so much i've just stuck with it and you know instead of upgrading my bow i've been upgrading camera gear um but yeah i would I would say here and probably this next fall or the one after that I'll probably upgrade to a to uh you know a nice Matthews.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm shooting a Matthews uh mission craze if you ever have yeah. that. Yep.
1: Yeah. How do you liked it?
0: So uh, what I I like it, you know, it has a very wide range and it was my first boat too I've ever gotten and it has, you know, range from when you are a little kid and you can go all, you can have this bow for the rest of your life, you know. It goes, I don't know the draw length exactly. I know it goes up to 32 inches and the weight goes from like 20 pounds to 70 yeah. pounds. So that's a pretty big range. So, yeah, I think it's a very good youth bow and someone can easily grow up with it, especially if you're not that big in the hunting yeah exactly
1: and and you know those bows they shoot better when they're we're fully maxed out in weight like draw weight as well so it's only going to get more accurate as you as you uh crank it up
0: yeah exactly so uh what release you shooting
1: oh man i think it's just uh i don't even remember the brand but it's a it's a like a wrist release where it uh buckles onto my wrist and I've looked at you know getting a, a silver silverback or um, like a back tension release or a thumb release and stuff like that and uh, I just I just haven't made the jump to it yet. Um, you know I feel super confident in my my setup and so I'm kind of one that where if it ain't broke don't fix it you know and um, yeah it yeah works. I, you see so many different people out there that shoot different things and I want to try them and. I just don't, don't have the time I've, I've found to, you know, put that in place. And this off season, I would like to to get either the silverback or a thumb release there from knock on or um, some sort of back tension release and try that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you look at like someone like Cameron Haynes, he should still shoots a wrist release and the man kills elk like it's nothing. So, you know, it's, It's just your, your personal preference, but what about you? What are you shooting?
0: Uh, right now I'm shooting a wrist strap. It's a true fire. And, you know, I use, I grew up, you know, shooting wrist straps, but then, uh, last couple of years I've been using, uh, it's like a true ball pro max or something like that. And I, I love, I love them like handhelds, but especially with, uh, back tension me myself never shot a back tension but i would like to but that's something i i personally don't think i would ever use like in the field like while i'm hunting at all just because i feel like you know you're not paying attention you're moving around trying to get a good angle and you know you're pulled back and all of a sudden it goes off so yeah i would take a thumb button in the woods for sure not a back tension
1: yeah yeah, I would uh, – yeah, I feel similar to that. You know, um, I would love to shoot the back tension just to to perfect my form or, or like, you know, get my form more precise and uh, more dialed in and to really make sure that I'm not punching the trigger at all and, and just letting the arrow go off when it goes off uh, and, like, losing that sense of control. Because, yeah, I, I'm similar in that mindset of – you know, I don't want it to go off if I if I know it's kind of hovering around it and I'm not fully locked in. But from everything I've read and, and saw and my buddy that I was in elk camp with this year, Sean, he shot, um, you know, a back tension release, and, and he loves it. And he's super accurate with it. And, uh, you know, he's newer into bow hunting. So I think it's only, only helped his form, if anything.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, see, that's something I guess if I would – take something like that into the field me myself would want uh back tension with the safety yeah just because i can have more range with it you know yeah
1: yeah exactly
0: but uh so going back to gear you use uh what kind of arrows you using
1: i'm using the eastern axis i've used the the five millimeter eastern axis i've used those for the past i think two years now it's going on two years, yeah, two or three years. Um, uh, yeah, five millimeter, uh, 300 spine. And I this year I went with a well, last year I was shooting the 340 spine. This year I bumped it up to the 300, uh, just so that I could add some more weight up front. And then I put in a 50 grain insert up front and then also shot like a, a 200 grain broadhead, a uh, single bevel broadhead out of that. So my I really like my setup. Um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, like Ranch Ferry or uh, seen any of the videos the hunting public have done with him. And, uh, but he, you know, he goes around and, and tests out different arrow setups and, and whatnot. And he's been, been a pretty big proponent of uh, or an encourager, I should say of moving to a heavier setup and and carrying that, that mass with that arrow to, to contact. Um, and so you know, I've, I've, these last two years I've been watching his videos and have been slowly bumping my poundage up and, and seeing better results with my arrows and my groupings and, uh, impact on animals. So yeah, this, this past year I shot a pretty heavy arrow, um, out of like, yeah, I think my jaw is 29 inches and, and 70 pound weight. So the, yeah, I really liked how my arrows were flying.
0: Right on. So you shoot a pretty heavy broadhead there
1: huh yeah yep yep so it's about 250 grains up front or an added 250 with with my insert and and the broadhead but yeah i, I think if i were to do it again i would still shoot the same weight because out of my setup it, it flies really well and um but I think I, my, I would change my insert and my broadhead weight around so that I could shoot maybe 150 grain broadheads or 100 grain broadheads or something to give me a wider variety. So then when I go home and, and whitetail hunt, I can switch out my broadheads versus when I'm, you know, elk hunting um, and still be able to have a similar idea of where my arrows are going to end up. You know, maybe have to tweak my sight just a little bit. But with with leaving my broadhead at the 200 grain range, it it really limits what other broadheads I can use. So that's that's maybe my only downfall that I that I'm not happy with. Um, but so I, ju- I was just using the same broadheads that I used for elk hunting for deer hunting and um, yeah. But this uh, this spring I'm gonna have to change up my whole setup again to go to a little bit lighter of an arrow for turkey hunting. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Okay. So you, uh, those arrows, you, you like them? Those, uh, what's it called? Axis? Yeah.
1: Eastern axis. Yeah, man. They're, they're, you know, they're not as pricey as some of the really nice arrows, but they're, they're probably the best bang for the buck that I've found. And, uh, you know, I haven't had any shatter. I haven't had, any problems with them. Uh, the only thing you got to keep in mind is if you do go to like a a five millimeter or something a little bit smaller than your normal arrow, you're probably going to have to, to bump your rest up a little bit. Um, just because the arrow will sit a little bit lower on your rest. So you can't really, uh, bounce between a five millimeter and then like your, your standard sized arrow. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just shoot only the five millimeter and, uh, yeah, I've really liked them these past couple of years.
0: Interesting. Those are arrows I'm looking at. I think I'm going to get them.
1: Yeah. I, I messed around with them quite a bit this year. You know, I did some, uh, some knock tuning where I just have the bare shaft and you, and you turn the knock so that you're shooting bullet holes with every arrow because you know, each arrow can, can shoot different. And so, um, yeah that was that was pretty fun to do i did that with a half dozen arrows and you know you shoot it and then you you go and see how it how it hit and and where where it's looking and then you you tweak your knock a little bit in the shaft and so you can you can turn that until it's lined up perfectly to where it's just shooting bullet holes um because on your spine of your arrow some there's a part in it where it's overlapped a little bit and that part is going to be more rigid so when your arrow flies that part doesn't bend as much. And so if that part of your arrow is off kilter a little bit, like off to the side and not straight up and down or um, however it may be, uh, your arrow will fly a little bit crooked and each arrow will fly a little bit different. And so if you can get them all noctuned, um, yeah, they're, they're going to be flying pretty straight. So then I'd take, take them back and, and have mine. I really enjoyed messing around with them this year. I bought a test pack from, from Ranch Ferry's website. So it had a range of field tips from 200 grain to 300 grain, and it allows you to, you know, switch them out and and really see which weight up front shoots best out of your arrows. Um, And and that was pretty fun to mess around with and, and tinker with.
0: Dang. Yeah. Because I shot uh, the FMJs and I uh, I don't like them <laughs> at all. Just because me myself shoot, oh, like an excessive amount. So over time they do mm-hmm. bend, which me personally don't like. But I know people are a big fan of them and they are a really solid arrow, you know. And for elk hunting, you know they're they're very good for that. I know a lot of people use those for elk hunting. But me myself, I can't do it. Yeah. With them
1: yeah I, I see a lot of like love hate with them i see some people that are like never do it don't do it you know they shatter or they don't bend enough in the beginning and if you, it's cold and you hit something hard they'll just shatter and splinter or i've seen some people that that's all they shoot you know and they and they love them so yeah that, that, that's cool dude i mean definitely uh experiment with some other arrows you know you can buy a half dozen here or there and, and shoot them and find which ones you really like
0: yeah. Yeah. Anyways, before we get done with this, I just want to figure out some of these, uh, rest of this gear stuff. So what kind of site are you running? You're on a single pin adjustable or are you running just a uh, standard, like four pin site or what? Yeah,
1: I'm running a, a five pin right now. And I've been looking at going to, to one of the spot hog like single pins or even, uh, I know Hunting Public, those guys, they use a, a three pin where the bottom pin can adjust and, and move up and down. It can slide. So, you know, that's probably one thing I'm going to mix up this year is uh, that and my my release. I might tinker with some other other releases. But, yeah, I would like to switch up my site this year, maybe go into a bow shop and, and shoot one of the, their single pins and just play around with it, see if I like it you know i i'm scared of the fact that you might see a deer at 45 yards set your pin to that go to draw back and then and then they start walking closer and you know i don't know what i would do in that situation i'm sure people have um figured that out because i feel like that would be a pretty common uh you know worry that people might have is setting it to one thing and then a deer moves and and then you're you're kind of out of luck and or you got to put back down and and uh recite your site but uh yeah i I would like to try it out um and i would like to try one of those those three pins that slides up and down but what about you what are you shooting uh
0: so i'm shooting a single pin like trophy ridge made it and i personally i like it but like like us like you were saying you know when (laughs) Like the deer I shot this year, I basically shot underneath it to where I wanted to hit, right? Because I practice a lot and I, I you know, adjust my pin and try to hit, you know, so I can estimate it there and stand and get better at that. But my dad, exactly what you were saying, he hates those things because uh, what if there's a deer, you know, at 40 yards and he comes running in and he's like at 20 yards and it's like, oh, but. Yeah, that's one of the big arguments with those yeah. things.
1: Yeah, it's just when I when I'm solo filming, a lot of the stuff it it's one more thing I have to worry about. You know, it's it would be range finding and then also moving your sight when on top of getting my camera going, getting record, and making sure it's on the deer and, and that my GoPro's going, and, and all these different things have to play out. Um, and you know, it, it one of the, it led to me missing a really nice deer this year, or not getting even getting a shot off just because I had you know so much going on and I wasn't able to get all set up and you know I could have shot it but um I'm, I enjoy the the filming aspect and, and capturing it on on film so that kind of comes first with me right now and uh you know it just didn't play out because I had so much I had to get going and get ready so I couldn't can't really fathom <laughs> adding another thing to that list right now so uh yeah but I would love to try it out. And, and especially for target practice and stuff, I feel like you could get really get it dialed in. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. You know, it's, it's such a, such a unique feeling when you can hit a spot that you're aiming at and you know that there's so much that yeah. can go wrong. And when it happens, right, man, it's just, there's not really any feeling like that. And so I think for a single pin, you know, that stuff's really cool. Cause you can go out to a three d shoot or or whatever it might be range up your your site and um, arrange your target i mean and and then dial in your site to that exact spot and and feel pretty good about it and and really have some nice shots uh, so that that aspect is intriguing to me and and I would love to to experience that and maybe try that out for a little bit but yeah it's it's hard when you got a lot of things going on in a hunt to to try and add another in there. But man, those guys that can do it, they're, they're super accurate.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've, I've shot a single pin, you know, basically ever since I got this bow and I've, I've missed a doe cause I was shooting at 30 yards and I was, my pin was at like 20 yards or something like that. And, or my pen was actually like way down. Like it was the lowest you can possibly <laughs> shoot. And, like, I was like, oh, geez. So, when I shot, the arrow was, like, way under. I was like, what in the heck happened? But I looked at my sight, and that was the sure yeah. reason. <laughs> so, but, yeah, another thing. Going back to your camera things, the last question I want to ask you. What kind of camera are you shooting? Because that's something I really want to get into. You know, I, I love being out in the wild. I like catch, capturing that stuff. So, what kind of uh, camera gear are you running? Right
1: now, I'm, uh, I'm using my, my main camera is a. A Canon EOS RP uh, and I've got the it's an RF lens and um, the one I have right now it's like a 24 millimeter to 105 and it's got an f 4.0 so it's it's kind of their standard RF series lens so I don't know if you're familiar with Canon but just these past couple years they've came out with a new Lens models uh, series, I should say that it's the RF series, and so they used to have the EF, and now they're kind of transitioning into this RF series. And so if you you see a Canon camera and it's kind of got the the red line around it, it's got and um, around the lens, it's their new series. So I have really enjoyed it, really loved it. Uh, there's some things that you know I, I feel I've outgrown with it. I, I I would love a a higher frame rate. Which essentially means you can then slow your footage down in uh, in an editing software to to get some really nice slow mo footage and um, you know slow your shots down or just different B roll and, and settings that I want to be able to do that, uh, that this camera it can do but it, it just struggles with. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a really nice camera. I love it. It's, well, it's going to be my third camera, man. When I first started, I, I started with a Sony Handycam. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those at all, but it was an old Handycam. It's like a camcorder that my parents had and they just gave to me and they're like, yeah, here you can take it. And so it was when I was in college would have been my, my sophomore year of college. I brought that back to school and, uh, man it's probably you can probably buy one for like 50 dollars nowadays and uh i filmed my buddy and with a hunt with that and he shot a doe and man that just sparked the fire in me right there like it was it was so cool to be there and like share the experience with someone and there's so many times where you're you know people are archery hunting by themselves is usually how it plays out and to be there with someone and you you know it's such close quarters with the animals and it's like to see it all play out and then also captured on footage to like relive it It, it's just something that i've I've fallen in love with and so yeah i look back on that video and half of the video was filmed with my iphone half of it was filmed with this probably 50 dollar camcorder and the footage is shaky and there's (laughs) the music is not ideal and like the times that i cut the footage and and paste it together it just it's a really rough video and and just to see you know how far or or how much I've learned, it's pretty cool. Um, and, and very rewarding experience, but yeah, man, right now I'm shooting that EOS RP. I'm looking to probably sell it this spring and move up to their R5 or their R6. I'm still flipping between the two. I know that they've been having some problems with them overheating when they're shooting in their, their 4k or their 8k. Um, so maybe I'll wait and see if they come out with, any updates or software updates or suggestions on how to keep them from overheating i'd probably only shoot at the max in 4k anyways so um but yeah it, that's where i'm at right now um that's pretty cool that you're looking to get into it do you do you know anything like about cameras or have you been looking at getting one or in the uh, in the air about it
0: <laughs> so me myself do not know much about cameras but my sister on the other hand she is a photographer and she has a pretty oh. nice camera so I can always go to her for things and you know that's something I always wanted to get into because it just looks like you you're an inspiration to me you know I always look at these guys who are always doing it and it really it really does interest me and I want to learn more about it you know
1: well I appreciate so, that man that's that's really cool to hear and um, you know makes my day but it's uh, there's a lot of guys out there that I look up to, and and so it's it's crazy to to imagine that people have you know reached out to me and, and questions and uh, to to hear suggestions and stuff like that. So it's pretty awesome. I it's it's cool to see that you're starting a podcast here and, and getting that going. Um, I'm looking forward to following along on your journey here and. Um, you know, what, what got you into to wanting to do this?
0: You know, so <laughs> I've grown up hunting, you know, my whole life, and I uh, looked up to my grandpa, who's a very good hunter, and I've always looked up to, you know, like the hunting public and stuff like that, meat eater, uh, you know, stuff like that. And the podcast, I really started because I started started listening to remy warren which really made me get into this and uh the hunt freak coach you guys can go check him out he's he's pretty good at things like that and when i listened to his podcast i was like oh i should try this out so i hit him up and learned how to do it and here i am today
1: that's awesome
0: that's awesome. i like it i want to keep keep doing it that's really cool so
1: It's cool when people, you know, take chances and and take steps like that to, you know, you never know what's going to happen and and you don't know what's, what's going to come from this. And, you know, all you can do is give it your best. And yeah, it's inspiring to see people take chances like that.
0: Right, man. And like, if you, you, if you ever want to start a podcast, I would recommend what I'm using right now, Anchor. It's, it's very easy and I love it and automatically uploads this podcast to every podcast platform out there, basically, which is really nice and easy. So I just, to wrap this up, I just want to say thank you very much for uh, being on this podcast. You know, uh, I follow along with your YouTube videos, your TikTok videos, very (laughs) funny, by the way.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It was, I had a great time. It was my pleasure. And um, yeah, it was fun to chat with you. and. I'm looking forward to listening to some of your future podcasts and, and following along in your journey. And yeah, feel free to reach out ever if you want to chat again and um, yeah, had a great time, Ben.
0: So yeah, thanks man. Uh, keep yeah. doing what you're have doing. Cool. All right. I hope all you guys out there listening, enjoyed this podcast and I hope you have a good day. Boop, boop, boop.